The Uncertain Chapter 1 Questions For as long as I can remember, I had been questioning the world around me, questioning its meaning and inquiring for it to include me so that I'd no longer feel disconnected. I'd always been looking for answers without knowing what questions deserved my attention, wondering aimlessly in search of a cure for my curiosity. It had always been my wondering that pushed me to wander from place to place, which is what brought me to be where I was. I was in a room, in a room that was part of what used to be someone's home, but to me it was just some place full of unknowns with leftover nothings from people who had been there before me. Yet, all I wished to do was question the world I could barely make out through the window. I had a whole place to myself, and what lay beyond the room, where I stood, is where my attention lied. I stared out at the world, the one I had learned to live in, but at the same time, always felt lost in, and searched for clarity through a grubby window. I can think best to describe what had happened as a worldwide refinement. Not one caused by antagonists or governments, but those and other aspects like it did play a part. What happened is the result of humanity coming to a decision as a whole, as we made the choice to reshape our world and lives in order to truly better our future. I guess the old phrase for the idea was exactness, but that was always simply an idea that guided us to a reality we produced. Yet, I felt the world remained to be at odds with us, its inhabitants. There were no longer any boundaries or labels, just people of all types who lived simply to enjoy. Yet, I had so many questions. Where will I be in the future when I look back at this moment? What if, at this moment, I'm looking back on my past, remembering myself, asking this question? That had always been my favorite question to ask myself as a kid. It allowed me to remember how much bigger the world was compared to me, while at the same time, it offered me some insight into my mind. I remembered the seemingly blank look I would get on my face as I asked it, how it would occur to me at the most inopportune times and trail me through my inner conscience. Even as I stood in that unused space, it made me wonder. It made me question where I was, where I had been, and where I might be going. I stood alone. Just me and the abandoned furniture that sat in stillness and gathered dust from the air. The air itself felt neglected. It felt as though it didn't want to be a part of the room. It didn't want to be inhaled because it felt polluted by the past it had been forced to be a part of, and the future it couldn't deny. The air was there long before the furniture. Therefore, it had been a part of the vast history of the room. 
It remembered the first time it had its first companions, the frustration of the people who lived there, and the desperation they let intermingle into the air. In the air, there were stories of loss, of hope, of pain, and of compassion, but the air also had its own story it wished to be known. It had a story of longing and disappointment, and as I breathed, I saw these things. I felt them, each memory, each dream, and each goodbye. It seemed the air was ashamed to allow me to know such things, just as I felt ashamed to share my regrets with it, with each breath I took, as it unwillingly had allowed me into its memories. It had been so long since I'd someone to connect with that beneath its discomfort, there were hints of subconscious appreciation. I felt an odd sense of welcome. Odd because this was not a place I'd been to before, but I felt as though I were already familiar to the atmosphere. I began to accept the surroundings as they were, dusty and stale but open to strangers. I ran my hands across the furniture as I walked by, as if to get to know it better. The couch sat still by a wall and was covered in a sheet, but it seemed as though it were playing its own game of hide-and-seek. I smiled, for I didn't let it know I'd found it just yet. The dining room table had two chairs tucked underneath it, the two of them waiting to be put to use during the next meal while the table itself eagerly awaited its chance at supporting the weight of that meal. The oven... Stove and refrigerator all held on to the hope of being opened once more and fulfilling their purpose. There were a few cabinets in the kitchen as well that were old, but not broken down. I gave them no second thought because I knew I wouldn't be there long. On my walk to get acquainted with this place, my lifelong ability to see, feel, and recognize the lost history of the area had proven to be once again useful. The outside world's knowledge, however, continued to escape my mental grasp. Since I'd already been welcomed by some of the inanimate objects that were left behind, I began to rearrange them in order to help me to try and make sense of the world. I rested my jacket on the kitchen table in an effort to ease its longing and once again put its legs to use. I took one chair and set it in the center of the middle room, and as I did, I felt the other develop some jealousy for having been left behind. I slowly approached the couch and pulled the sheet off of it. A sense of surprise arose with the sheet in the air as it flapped and floated down. I used a corner of it to wipe the dust from the window before throwing it back over the couch. I could feel myself beginning to settle into my surroundings, beginning to lower my guard in an unfamiliar place. I stood and faced the window before moving the chair around the room until I felt it was somewhere that would benefit my purpose. I moved it from the center of the room to the side to the next room near the couch and then back to the original room just in front of the window. It made sense for me to set it there, and so it sat for a few seconds before I turned it around so that it faced the inside of the room. With my back towards the window as I leaned against the window pane, I stared at the chair with concern as though I were sure it couldn't bear the burden I would soon put on it.
Now you, like me, face vague opportunities that have been wielded by indefinite knowledge. As the sentence unraveled in my mind, I began to feel the chair probing my actions, attempting to make sense of what was happening. I decided, as I should say something, to ease the uncertainty that lingered in the air. I must apologize to you. I must ask for your forgiveness. I have made you my sacrifice, just as... Others have made me theirs. I hesitated briefly, as if waiting for an acknowledgement of my apology. The chair did nothing to recognize my efforts. Oddly, however, I was content with having no reaction. It was what I'd come to expect, the silence between the two of us, although brief, further invoked my muted remorse. Your current state of being should be blamed on the lack of being in others, those who you will not know and who refuse to know you, but I have learned you can't be upset with others for faults they have placed on you. Nothing more was said to my unwilling companion. The two of us sat in our silence waiting regretfully for answers. It was in this landscape of empathy, this scene of loss, that I was met by confusion. I turned away and took a few steps back from the window, putting distance between myself and my accidental hostage. As I stood in the stillness of the room, I could not ignore my mind's prying nature. Concepts about the world began to flow into my psyche, tormenting me in the isolation, struggling against the crushing weight of psychological seclusion. I spoke the thoughts I was able to grasp out loud questions, prime curiosity for the unknowns it will one day dream of. I paused, but answers continued to escape my comprehension. I began to realize that questions had come to be all I was able to understand. I was anxious to find some way to delay intellectual chaos. I felt the pressure of the room, the desire of my new acquaintances who wanted me to share what I was feeling with them. Now, the room that suggested sanctuary seemed to be clustered with nothing. The only hint of recognition was sunlight that invaded the room through the window. I stood and stared at the window for a moment before turning the chair around so that I could rest on it if the world's confusion became too heavy for me to stand. In those dreams, it will realize all the truths that have stemmed from fiction. This will, in turn, help it to see many fictions that have been declared as truths. I turned and stood face to face with the window, my faded reflection staring back at me, insisting I wait, but pushing me to sit down, to look out and attempt to make sense of the insane world put before me, the insane world that had easily named me as the lunatic. Gazing out in an opaque horizon, I found myself further lost in abandonment. I sat at a window looking out at the sunset, yet I felt I was the one being observed. Although the world may be fictitious, it's based on many truths, I said towards my wilted likeness. 
truths that can be denied by many facts, and facts conceived during misfortune in life. I looked down at the floor, feeling ashamed and damaged, wondering if I, in fact, was the insanity that plagues the world. I tried to console myself. I've made sense of the unspoken doubts, individually analyzed all of the certainties, and realized that insanity is its own oxymoron. That was my way of trying to scold the world for naming me so poorly. As I stared past the horizon, continuing to feel no sense of difference in my vision, I spoke again to my faded image. The world had always held within it potential for salvation, hope, and a future. Yet within countless minds were misfortunes, millions of seconds of heartache, and the misshapen views of a tattered and lonely soul. Surprised by the ease of how certain I was with what I said and saddened by the reality of it, I asked myself, what's left when a world soul is no longer recognizable? The human spirit has been abandoned and left alone to wallow in angst at what it doesn't know. That spirit had become irrelevant because it was made to sit alone in silence, much much like I do now, to contemplate itself in an attempt to clarify the present as an unrestricted place. Relentless thoughts of mourning and turmoil began to pile up and race through my mind, yearning to be recognized and released with only the desire of being let go as their motive. I allowed each and every idea its wish, letting them all stream freely from my head, while still allowing others to only reveal themselves in my mind. Simple freedoms were regarded as pointless because they had only been understood for their prospective future. The world was inhabited by prisoners who were all plagued by curiosity's correlation to what and why, but wanted nothing more than to simply be. What is a logical question, but it is not the one we should be asking. The true question of importance is why. Why? Because it's simple. However, it doesn't allow its answers that same luxury. I paused briefly before letting the thought continue. A word comprised of three letters, three letters that contain so much mystery. Wherever there is life, why is the question that is most asked, yet at the same time the question whose answers continue to elude us? What isn't the question we wish to be answered, because then all we'd have obtained is the action and not the reason or depth behind it? In the window, my dim reflection stared back at me and appeared to be passing judgment of my actions and thoughts. I stood and watched it for a moment, questioning its reasoning before backing away and allowing it to fade, as I wondered why. I stepped back so that I could be in the center of the room and try to answer my own questions. In time, I said aloud, hoping to ease the pressure of the burdening awareness of my mind. In time, nothing is left to be only a mistake. The reason there is reason is to understand the misunderstood. I waited, 
and pondered this statement for a moment, trying to shed light on the truth that lay beneath it. So much was misunderstood, so much was without reason. Even worse is the fact that illogical reasoning became the basis of existing. In our dreams rests our deprived hope, hope to acquire all we've lived without, all we blindly desire. Ideas of reality have been written down in the past for us to learn about in the future, ideas built on a foundation free of disbelief, ideas founded around logical interpretations of pure human wishes, simplicities endowed onto us naturally. Love, compassion, truth, and innocence. I stopped for a moment and shook my head in an effort to unravel a few answers, rubbing my neck as I continued to think. Innocence once meant purity, once meant good. Then it became known as a fading memory, a soon-to-be lost legacy. And that's part of the story told to us, the future generations, in hopes of restoring its once prominent definition. Things. Everything that had once been associated with innocence for a long time stopped being seen as such. We now read about such things like single roses once given as a sign of love, devotion, and passion, how a sunrise was once viewed as a simple innocence. Many of us have read about such things and have been inspired by them once again, but those before us can rarely be engulfed by the feeling of true innocence. For too long, a flower was a sign of misfortune, of death, so they were only given to those you felt remorseful for. The sun, whether it rises or sets, reminds us of a world we were left with, a world created upon despair which makes it hard to forget the destruction and grief that is slowly fading away behind the beauty. We grew up being taught about the illusion of peace in hopes of carrying on the importance of stopping the illusion and making it into a reality. As peace, for far too long, could not have been thought of as an illusion. It was always only a mirage, something people thought was there because they wanted it to be. I began pacing back and forth through three rooms, rubbing my eyes and head as thoughts relentlessly raced into my mind, too fast for me to sort through silently. Logical truth. The logic behind humanity's forgotten truths has diminished over time. I don't know why this thought was the one I spoke out of the jumble of them in my head, but I hoped it would help me gain a deeper understanding of the uncompromising presence of a forgotten hope. Then I looked down momentarily and saw a book I didn't realize was sharing the space with me. This somehow allowed me to redirect my mental focus. Just outside of the doorway between the center room and bedroom, it sat on the floor. Even then, I had to question, how long have you been observing me? I felt it would have shrugged if it had shoulders, but as I approached it, I was hesitant in reaching out my hand to pick it up, cautious of whether or not it should be touched. Fearful of myself not being ready, I stood over it for a minute, then backed away slightly before turning around to continue pacing, going from one room to another but focusing on the book as though it were the answer. The book seemed to follow me like a painting I had seen on a wall once. 
It was at an abandoned museum and I had stumbled upon while traveling. In the painting, there was a lady with two kids sitting on her lap in a garden, and for some reason, the eyes of the kids were painted on at just the right angle to where they seemed to follow me. It made me nervous and uncomfortable, and I left soon after. With every step I took, that's what I felt from the book, like it was following me, demanding more of my focus and distracting me from trying to gather my thoughts. Out of frustration only, and without really thinking, I walked straight towards it and picked it up, then tossed it onto the table and let it lay there. I guess, to regain what little control I had. I couldn't decide if I wanted to leave it behind or include it as part of my belongings. After a few minutes, I grew impatient with myself and momentarily thought of giving the book credit for its patience. I tucked it in my inner jacket pocket before putting my jacket on and then gathered all I had and stood once more in the middle of the room. I looked around as if accepting the farewell. The appreciation and respect between that place and myself, somehow able to understand the detachment I would feel once I was gone. Before reaching for the door, I took one more look at the empty chair and felt a sense of sorrow come over me, along with an adopted trust. Outside, it was bright, but it was a luminance that was far from natural and all too familiar. The streets were empty, but not without sound. I looked around, still trying to make sense of what I saw. I began to step in a direction before stopping myself and walking the opposite way. It felt as though I'd walked in both directions before, but the one I chose gave me hope in clarifying all that remained unclear. There were familiar landmarks and unfamiliar signs on a path I'd gone down before, and even voices in the distance as I wandered on, and my mind continued to be filled with questions and thoughts of things that nobody had ever seemed to understand. Logical truth, I said again, still no idea as to what it is, prompted by illogical time. With no true destination in mind and a new annoyance in the shape of a book in my pocket, a book I feared yet anticipated would create more questions, I continued to wander. I suddenly found myself in a small house, and inside there was the empty air I accepted as company, and it greeted me in the same manner it always had. I grinned at the sight of an empty open fireplace and shrugged off the attempted welcoming of stairs. Full-page empty books sat on a shelf with titles that had always seemed tedious and uninventive. I searched for a spot to become comfortable, different from the one I had the night before, simply because I couldn't remember where I'd been, and began to analyze the book I'd blindly carried. After taking it out of my jacket and looking it over, I saw there was no author, and no description anywhere of what resided beneath the surface. Only two words on the cover. I assumed they were the title. Empty filling. Two words, and not so much as a hint of their description. Before even opening the book, I'd begun to question its meaning, striving to prematurely evaluate its contents, and more so foresee an ending. I glanced up in an effort to distract my curious mind, only to have another book catch my attention. Why have I never noticed that book before? The title, horizontally upside down, read, A Life of Religion. The last word seemed almost foreign to me, although I knew I'd seen it before. Religion. I said it to myself in an effort to weed out the definition from my psyche. Drawing a blank and too curious to attempt to remember why I'd forgotten the second book, I got up from my seat to look at it. Nevertheless, 
noticing this book, too, had no author, although there was a small paragraph on the back cover. It read, In a world full of opinions, I found that faith is the source from which we derive each and every one of them. Behind each system of faith instilled in us, there are ideals that we dispense within ourselves based on feeling. As people, as human beings, we easily accept and hold on to hope. Occasionally, hope seems to come from nowhere, and at times it is carried with us in order to obtain overall betterment. But when did we gather the idea of hope? Why does it hold such value to us when any person can obtain it? Where does it come from? Throughout the duration of my life, I sought out the origin of hope only to find the answer in the palm of my hands. As I sat in the dark looking out through a window, one completely different from the first, I, I realized my eyes set a goal for themselves. They wished to see nothing happen. I'd been staring just to know for a single moment there was nothing out there. Waiting for the view to take away from my thoughts and allow me to admit to accepting uncertainty in order to rest. I looked back at the two books that had found me hours before and glared at them both with a look of desperation. I blamed them for my unfulfilled curiosity, even though I knew my curiosity was displeased long before seeing them. The two books sat with me in silence, mocking my inquisitive agony with their calm yet shrill unread knowledge. Behind the two books, the fireplace crackled, although I didn't remember lighting it. I didn't question how it had come to life, nor did I question why I'd not questioned it until that moment. It spewed out small wisps of smoke that had slowly begun to fill the room, and I sat there, dully, allowing each small cloud to darken the space around me. The window gradually became indistinguishable as the ridiculing hush of the two books grew more evident. Even through the smoke, I could feel their presence almost as if they fed on the fire. If I had wanted to walk, I'd have had no room. And although I apparently knew the room, I had no vision of my surroundings. This realization wouldn't have bothered me otherwise, but at this moment my brain couldn't handle any more unknowns. As I sat alone wanting nothing more than to know, a voice spoke out. Open the window. Excuse me? I asked, almost surprised at how calmly I answered. I felt almost relieved to hear a sound in the dark. No response. I waited a few seconds before speaking out in no particular direction. What do you mean? I, I can't find that window anymore. A whisper from behind me. Open the window. In my life, it had always been easy for me to commit to many things I would not been sure of. Many things that others couldn't oblige to out of fear. Now, I found myself unable to completely commit to something I myself grew afraid of. Turning to see the face beneath the voice, I found myself in the place where others had long been before me, somewhere I'd never before been able to understand. Because I couldn't fathom the feeling of being as others had been, the feeling of loss and disarray, I felt questions I didn't want to ask building up inside me. I felt them at the tip of my mind trying to drill themselves into my throat so they could escape and let themselves be known despite my uncertainty and unwillingness. Out of foolishness, 
I pleaded with myself to keep them in my psyche and allow them to unravel there, and only there. I knew this wouldn't ease my desperation, but thinking seemed better than hearing them stated in my apprehensive voice. How can I make sense of such a feeling? How can I expect to know if I can't trust myself? What do I not trust myself to do? What am I failing to comprehend? For as long as I can remember, I've always dissuaded myself to be anywhere that involved knowing two sides of one occurrence. I've always gone in and triumphed when there was good, but collapsed once there was bad. So, for the sake of never being wrong or let down, I've kept a distance between myself and what I've been a part of. Even now that I have announced this fault to myself, I still hesitate to turn around. Not out of fear or misunderstanding, but because I can see the negative forming behind me. I can feel the unknown conjugating in an attempt to have me further torment myself about looking behind me. The voice has stopped. It's no longer beckoning for my attention, perhaps because it can observe the uncertainty in my mind. Whatever the case, it's no longer here. There's only me. The realization that I'd decided to commit to not committing further disturbed me. I had made a choice to ignore the questionable simply because I didn't want more uncertainty. Becoming a hypocrite alongside what I'd so long been questioning. So for what seemed like a plaguing pointless eternity, I sat still, observing the unclear room and attempting to convince myself that nothing unfamiliar lay behind me. I sat there and tried to think of nothing. I sat there and pleaded for my curiosity to control itself. In my mind, I could only think of one thing, only one request to get the questions out of my head. Leave me alone. I didn't ask. I made it a fact. I wanted to be left alone because then I felt the questions would be illogical. I kept repeating it in my mind. Questions are illogical. Leave me alone. To me, it seemed almost poetic, and I couldn't help but be proud of some form of success and laugh at how it came when I felt I was failing. 